You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. What happens when we pray? And I believe when you receive that answer today, and many of you already know the answer, that this 21 day of prayer and fasting is going to mean so much more to you. And that connection, that intimacy that you're going to have with Abba, with God the Father, with Daddy, is going to be powerful. So according to the gospel writer, Luke, John the Baptist was baptizing people along the banks of the Jordan River. Now the Jordan River today is about, a, about as wide as this. It's filled in with silt because, you know, all the minerals and all the mud and muck flows down through what we call the Holy Land or the ancient Near East or Far East, depending on who you talk to, if you took geography in high school or middle school. And so the river has caved in a lot. Matter of fact, if you go, you're expecting this enormous river. It's more like a ditch, really. It's not quite what you think. But it's holy and it's sacred. Why? Because Jesus was baptized there. But not just thousands of people have been baptized there. Now over millions of people have been baptized in that river. If you ever go to the Holy Land, even if you've already been baptized, most likely you'll pay the fee and you'll get baptized in that river. Because after all, Jesus was baptized there. I'm going to be when I go, which will be sooner than later, hopefully. And so... Luke makes this most startling startling pronouncement in the New Testament. He writes, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Wow. That's a major event. I mean, baptism for us is a major event, right? The Son of God now submits himself to being baptized at the hands of a somewhat eccentric preacher named John the Baptist. Jesus' cousin, by the way. And so Mark's gospel, and it's in Mark and Luke's gospel, Mark's gospel describes John the Baptist as being a wild man, okay? He's clothed in camel hair. Any of you ladies have any camel hair purses or jackets or anything? Probably not, but he's clothed in camel's hair. He eats locusts and wild honey. He makes his home in the wilderness. He doesn't really have a house or a place to stay. He's just in the wilderness. And John admits that he's not worried worthy to carry Jesus' sandals. In fact, he seeks to deter Jesus from being baptized because John feels like, I'm unworthy to do this, Jesus, because John knows Jesus is the Messiah. And yet Jesus comes to John, his cousin, his family member, to be baptized. It's a remarkable scene. He who was without sin submits himself to a religious rite that most of us associate with symbolic of washing away sin. Well, Jesus is sinless. Why does he need to do this? And do you notice what happens next after Jesus' baptism? Luke writes, and as he was praying, note those words, and as he was praying, heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice from heaven came. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Now, many of you have heard those words read many times, and you skip right over it, don't you? 
It's a familiar scene. I know this scene. I know this story. I'm just going to zone out for this message today. I didn't realize it was going to be about John the Baptist and Jesus' baptism again. Here we go again. Some of you are literally like that. I know it. I already discern it. But have you noticed those words coming immediately after Jesus' baptism and as he was praying? We're going to spend some time on that, folks. Was it not entirely natural that Jesus, immediately following his baptism, should pray? Prayer played a major role in his earthly ministry. Here he was, the very manifestation of God on earth. And yet he felt the need to be in continuous communication with his Father. Contrast his example with the practice of many of us. We have a very limited acquaintance with the Father, yet we spend only a nominal amount of time in prayer. Really. I'm going to ask you a question that I've asked you before. If you could only keep the things and the people that you prayed for today, what would you have? Some of you are sitting there, uh-oh, didn't pray this morning. Just got up, rushed, and got I barely made it, Stephen. You're lucky I'm here, buddy, you know? You're lucky I'm watching. Okay, I hear you. I hear you. I'm glad you're here, and you've heard some wonderful prayers. That's fantastic. But are you praying yourself? Do you have that connection and that relationship? I'm going to give you an example. There's a famous college, a major college, and I'm not going to mention the name of the college because many of you already know it, that has a fantastic campus ministry, one of the best in the country. And it just so happens the director of that campus ministry was giving a tour to a guest speaker, an evangelist who was coming into town that was going to be speaking to the campus ministry of thousands of young people. And so they're touring the campus ministry building, and it is fabulous. And they walk by this room that says prayer room on it. And the evangelist, he wants to go inside, but the campus director is kind of standing in front of the door. And finally, the evangelist, he pushes the door open. And when he does, the most awful musky smell hits his nostrils. He's like, man, what is that? And he looks inside, and that prayer room has become a storage room. He's looking in there, and he sees a pair of cowboy boots sitting on the prayer room altar. He sees books stacked up. He sees a box, an empty box, a vodka box, on the kneeler rail where you put your knees to kneel and pray. And the campus director says, oh, oh I'm, I'm so sorry. He says, uh, during the summer and all, we use this for storage. And the evangelist is like, yeah, it's being used for storage, but it's been used for storage for quite a while. Lots of stuff in there, and it's musty and it's dusty. And the evangelist thinks, you know, this is terrible. This is the campus ministry, and they've got a prayer room that's just used as storage. And he wanted to criticize, but he didn't. Because he realized, this is a parable of my own life. He says, I'm an evangelist. I'm a Christian speaker. I go around the world speaking. His schedule is full all the time. But he realized that his prayer room, his prayer life, was dormant. It's not what it needed to be. And it was a reality check for him. Who am I to preach the gospel and teach people about Jesus, whom prayer was very important, by the way, to Jesus, and I'm not connecting with my Abba, with my Father? Interesting, isn't it? How about you? 
You've got this amazing way to communicate with the living God, and yet there's probably at least a day during the week, maybe a couple of days, that you don't even pray, that you forget. You usually don't forget to brush your teeth, do you? You certainly don't forget to drink your coffee in the morning. But how often have we forgotten to pray? Or we rush through our prayer. I got to get this prayer done. I got to get this prayer done. I got to do this Bible plan because Doug said I need to do it. I got to do it. How about I get to do it? I want to do it. I need to do it. It's who I am. Have that attitude. You see, the time for just letting someone else teach you and preach to you and pray to you and help you in your faith, that's good and all, but it's time for you to grow on your own as well. And that means being in prayer all the time, folks. Every single day, every moment of your life. Yeah, you've heard me talk about my grandmother. She prayed constantly throughout the day. She never ended her prayers. She never said amen because she was always communicating with her father. I like that. Not saying there's anything wrong with saying amen. That's, that's good. I like saying amen. But for her, I've, I've been doing this thing during the 21-day prayer and fasting. My wife, no matter what, how cold or hot it is, whatever it is outside, she noticed the other day, she says, you mean going for these walks in the evening by yourself? What are you doing? I said, the prayer walk. She said, but you ran this morning. You played tennis with the guys. Do you need to exercise anymore? I said, it's not about exercising. I said, I'm going for a prayer walk. I'm going to talk with my Abba. And I pray for you when I'm on that prayer walk. I pray for Misty Creek. I pray for people that are in need. I pray for all sorts of things. I pray for my family, every single one of my family members. And there's a lot on both sides of the family by name, even my cousins and nephews and nieces that I don't ever see anymore. I pray for them by name during that time. And marvelous things happen when I do that. And I tell you that because it's an intentional thing. I'm going to continue to make that a practice beyond the 21 days. Even if I need to do it inside on the treadmill, which I can't stand the treadmill, but you know how it goes. Sometimes you just got to go down there and get on it. Some of you are like, I've not been on one in 30 years. How are you feeling? Um, it's a discipline, isn't it? It really is. It's a discipline. Jesus never let his busy schedule keep him from praying. Some of us are so busy that we've crowded out the one necessary practice for a truly successful life. Jesus never let that happen. And Jesus was the busiest person that ever existed, folks. But he always took time to go be with his Father and pray. He set the example high for us. So immediately after his baptism, as he was praying, what happened next? Luke tells us the heaven opened. What an exciting statement. When good people pray, good things happen. The heaven opened. The heaven open. That's what happens when we pray. Not the heavens, because there is only one heaven, as there is only one God, as there is only one way to receive eternity, eternal life, through the Christian faith, is through Jesus Christ. Some of you have been taught other ways, but there's only one way, and that's through Christ as a Christian. How we get to heaven, folks. And so our way of communicating with him is praying. And the heaven, the heaven opened. That's what happens. And you're praying and looking down all the time, waiting for something to happen, when you should be looking up and lifting your hands up and receiving because he gives to you and you receive. 
Isn't that a beautiful image of receiving from him? Some of you will remember Sister Elizabeth Kinney. You'll recognize her name primarily because as a self-trained nurse um, in the Australian bush country in the first half of the 20th century, she developed a new and successful approach for treating victims of a disease that crippled many young people back then called polio. Maybe you've heard of it before. Her method, there she is, her method, which was bitterly contested at a time when the medical community differed from the conventional medical practice of the time. Her practice was much different from what they did. See, the medical community would put these plaster casts on people's legs that had polio, and primarily it was young people back then. And it was uncomfortable, but it was also ineffective what the medical community was doing with these casts. Instead of putting polio sufferers in plastic casts, Sister Kenny applied hot compresses to the affected parts of the patient's bodies, followed by a passive movement in those areas to reduce what she called spasms. So a lot of what she would do would put those compresses, and then she would move their limbs, and she would massage the limbs, and it reduced the spasms that the patients would have. This is quite amazing, isn't it? And her practice became the preferred way of dealing with polio until a vaccination came. So someone asked her, what did you first do when you came up with this procedure? Did you tear up blankets and make hot packs? And what did you do? What was the first thing you did, Sister Kenny? She said, the first thing I did was kneel down and pray. And I didn't pray looking down. I was praying up, God, help me come up with a solution. How many times do you, you pray for everybody else, but you don't pray for yourself? Some of you have prayed up so much for everybody else. You've done so much for everybody else that you're weak and tired and worn. You don't have anything left. You think God wants it to be that way? No. You see, what Jesus was doing when he was praying after he was baptized, and God was letting everybody know who Jesus was as he was getting filled up with the Holy Spirit. So he would be ready to go into that wilderness. You see, the Spirit led him into the wilderness. The devil didn't do that. You know how you say, the devil made me do it? The Spirit led him. Sometimes the Spirit will lead you into the wilderness. you ever thought about it that way? And he leads Jesus into the wilderness. The Spirit does. Remember I said he. I didn't say it. Let that sink in for a moment person, not an it, leads Jesus into the wilderness, and he's ready to face that 40 days without food and drink and rest and all the temptation that comes because he's prayed up. He's connected to the vine, God Almighty. Is it sinking in, folks? And what did Sister Kenny do? She went and prayed for an answer. What do you need to do? Lord, give me wisdom. Give me knowledge. Give me strength. Fill me with your power and your love. Give me supernatural ability. Give me your ability, Lord. Give me the strength to go down to the basement and find as many sleeping bags and blankets as I can find to give to those who are freezing out in the tent city. And we go into my own closet, and rather than looking at the stuff that's really worn, I'm going to go ahead and give the stuff that I bought from REI. I'm going to go ahead and give that North Face because I haven't worn that in a long time. I don't, it's perfect. I'm going to give brand new gloves, not the ones that are worn, that I work outside and trim the bushes with. 
You see, he gives you insight that's beyond you. He gives you the eyes of God, the attitude of God, the heart of Christ. When you pray, that's what happens when the heaven opens. The heaven opened. That's what happens when you pray, folks. The heaven opens when good people pray. In Sister Kenny's case, she happened on a new therapy for hundreds of thousands of God's suffering children. Hundreds of thousands of God's suffering children because she prayed. She didn't come up with that on her own. God did that. Do you think the cardiologist that performs these phenomenal heart surgeries, the neurologist that performs these amazing brain surgeries, does that on their own accord? Absolutely not. That's God doing that through them. God creates God created you. No, you didn't create yourself. You might think you did, but God created you. I'm going to preach on that next week. I'm giving you a preview. If you miss next week, you might miss. I'm being honest with you. God's revealed this to me. You might miss the most poignant, powerful, spirit-filled message you've ever heard. So will you be here? Well, we're going out of town. It's MLK weekend. Every weekend we get a chance to get away, we're going. Go ahead and go, because I'd like to join you. But watch us online if you do. Watch us online. Listen to us as you're going down the slope. Is that how you do it? Have y'all seen on YouTube that two-year-old girl skiing without any poles? She's laughing and she's better than her dad and all the skiers on the slopes and she's flying past the professional instructors. You need to go watch that. It's phenomenal to see that. If that's what you're doing and you're skiing next to that girl, she'll be beating you, by the way. Be listening to what God has to say to you at 10.30 a.m., next Sunday, or watch it recorded later on, but make sure you do, because God has a word not just for who's present, but who is away, okay? So when Jesus prayed on the day he was baptized, the heaven opened. I'm going to say it several times. Then we read, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice from heaven, you are my son who I love, with you I'm well pleased. What a beautiful scene. The heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Now it's not so mundane, is it, or repetitive, this passage of Scripture. Now that you know the heaven opened when Jesus prayed. Jesus' identity was received that day when he was baptized. It was received. It wasn't achieved. Your identity is received not achieved. You've already received your identity. Who you are in Christ Jesus has already been determined. Whether you receive that or not is your choice. That's free determinism, free will, free choice. I hope you make the decision to receive your identity, your gift. In the north of England, they've been digging coal for over a century. The miners digging the coal go miles and miles away from the central shafts, so there's always danger of the men getting lost. On one particular day, two miners did lose their way out of the mine. Their lights finally went out, and they were in danger of losing their lives. Can you imagine wandering through pitch black darkness in a mine? That's scary, isn't it? So they sat down, and one of them said, Let us sit perfectly still and see if we can feel the way in which the air is moving because it always moves toward the shaft. So they sat there perfectly still for a long time when suddenly one of them felt a slight touch of air on his cheek. He sprang to his feet 
exclaiming, I found it! They went in the direction in which the air was moving and reached the central shaft and freedom from their dark captivity. Can you imagine how exciting that was to see the light and go to it? Yes, we're going to get out of here. Thank you, God. Do you know during this fast, this time of prayer, you can discover freedom? You can realize the thing you're fasting from you didn't need anyway. You can realize that I don't need this as much as I thought I did. You know, isn't it great when you get a notification that your screen time was down by five hours and 23 minutes? What do you do with that five hours and 23 minutes? You go on prayer walks. That's how my time went. It added up. A week of prayer walks, the last eight days, without the phone, five hours, 23 minutes. You think that's hard. John Wesley, you know who he is? <laughs> he would pray on an average of four hours a day. I'm like, John, get a job. He had a job. And the reason he accomplished so much in his ministry and the huge movement was started because of it is because he was intentional in his intimate time with his Abba. I keep saying Abba because Doug wrote this beautiful, powerful devotional in the weekly email. Please read your weekly email. It's so good. And he put it on Facebook about our Abba, about our Father. And John Wesley, he spent intentional time, four hours a day praying, and he accomplished so much more than the average person. Why? Because God recognized what Wesley was doing, the intentionality of his prayer time and his scripture study and his meditation and his quiet time and being still in the presence of God. And he compensated John with insights into how to manage his time even better. He had the same amount of time as you and I do, but he accomplished more even though he spent four hours a day praying. And I'm not saying you've got to go spend four hours a day. I would be happy as your pastor if you prayed four minutes a day. I would. Four minutes. But how many of you in that four minutes, within the first 30 seconds, you're already thinking about other things? Your mind's straying. Sometimes you just need to sit and be still in His presence because the Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf. The Holy Spirit prays for you. Can even tell you what to pray if you're listening with no distractions. One of the most Distractful things you can do is when you sit down to do your devotion or go on a prayer walk is to have your phone on next to you because the temptation's there. Or to have the TV on. To have the TV on mute and you're doing your devotion. I caught myself the other night doing that. Melody was home, our daughter was home, and she was watching Pawn Stars. You ever watch that show? It's really good. I know that sounds like another word. I didn't say that, okay? Pawn Shops, Pawn Stars. And she's watching it, and I'm, I've seen the episode already. So I'm, I said, I'm going to do my, my journal while she's watching that. I'm trying to journal, and I find myself looking up, even though I've seen it a hundred times, because this guy has a whole series of Hank Aaron baseball cards he's trying to pawn. Was I focused on my, my journal? No. Even though I've seen this episode, I'm focused on Hank Aaron, one of the greatest baseball players of all time. Distractions will take you away from where God wants you to lead, where God wants to lead you. So get rid of those distractions, okay? You know, we can help our community 
experience the movement of the Holy Spirit. And this power of prayer. How can we do that? To be heard by our neighborhood. And one of the challenges I made last week was this little book I just told you about earlier today. You've got to get one of those little books. You get to get one. It's free for you. And read that little book. And then you're going to give that to someone in this community, in the neighborhood, even in your own neighborhood. And you're going to share what God has done in your life as you give them that book and encourage them to read that. And then we're going to establish a neighboring plan here where we reach out this entire community, this entire neighborhood, door to door. People are like, man, that's old school. Nobody does that anymore. Everybody does it through social media. Okay, that's good. That's where people are. But how awesome would it be for you to show up on the doorsteps of these neighbors in this area, your neighborhood, and give them a free gift? You're not selling them anything, and you're praying over them. All they can say is no. All they can do is shut the door. You go and do the possible. Plant the seed and trust God to do the impossible. And like I said last week, you have an opportunity to do something that we can't say this 10 years from now. We are a brand new church. We just bought this property right in the heart of Sandy Springs. Love for you to come see us. Come hang out with us. Come be with us. There's no pressure there. Just have them come. Get them to tune in online. Give them our website. Tell them how they can watch online if they're not ready to come inside a building. Or tell them we've got a tent outside. You can be outside. There's coffee out there. There's donuts out there. But make sure when they come that you don't do what you used to do in church and you just stand in your little cluster. Make sure that you're open, that your body language is, I'm here for you and I love you and I care about you and I'm glad that you're here. That'll make a difference, folks. That's where it's at. That's what it means when the heaven opens. Reveals something to you that you didn't know before. When the heaven opens, the wind of God's spirit blows and we become new people. That's the wonderful promise of Christian baptism. New life in Christ Jesus. William P. Barker tells about a machinist with the Ford Motor Company in Detroit who had over a period of years borrowed various parts and tools from the company which he had not bothered to return. While this practice was not condoned, it was more or less accepted by management at Ford and nothing was done about it. People just walked away with parts and tools and things like that. It was just a common thing back then. The machinist, however, experienced a Christian conversion. He was baptized and he became a devout believer. Even more importantly, he took his baptism very seriously. The very next morning, he arrived at work, loaded down with tools and all the parts he had taken from the company during the years. He explained the situation to his foreman and added that he'd never really meant to steal them and hope he'd be forgiven. The foreman was astonished and he was impressed by this man's action. So he cabled, back then it was cabled, he cabled Mr. Ford himself, who was visiting a European plant, and explained the entire event to Mr. Ford in detail. Mr. Ford cabled back. He said, dam up the Detroit River, the entire river, he said, and baptize the entire city. <laughs> he said that, folks. We could only hope that every Christian takes his or her baptism that seriously. When you're baptized by the living water, that old you is left in the water. Or in that bowl or that font, wherever you were baptized, sprinkled, dunked. It's left. You're a new creation in Christ. The old you is gone in that water. 
Water even becomes a little more dingy because you left those stains in the river, in the water. You're brand new. How about that? <laughs> when Jesus prayed on that day, he was baptized, the heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. A voice came from heaven saying, You are my son in whom I love. I am well pleased. Something like that should happen at some time in our life. Baptism at its best should result in our becoming a new person. We should become aware of our identity as a part of the family of God. We should discover that we too are children of God. I've got one last story for you here, and I was going to skip it, but the Lord's saying, do not skip this story. So hopefully your ears are open right now. You turn your device up. The late Reverend Dr. John Claypool, an outstanding author and Episcopal priest, once told a moving story that came out of World War I. At the end of that terrible conflict, the government of France was faced with an unusual problem, and their army hospitals were over 100 soldiers who had developed total amnesia caused by battle trauma. These men could not remember their names, their families, their hometowns, their birthdays. They were totally separated from their origins. Finally, the government announced to the whole nation that all families who had relatives missing in action should come to a certain hospital on an appointed day. For this occasion, a large platform was erected. With the families gathered around the platform, the soldiers were led out one by one in the hope that somebody would recognize them and they could be reunited with their loved ones. Can you imagine the relief and the joy those soldiers experienced when they were reunited with their loved ones and thereby rediscovered their identity? That's the sort of thing that can happen in our life when we are in the habit of maintaining continuous contact with God through prayer. And that can happen during this 21 days of prayer. Did you, did you hear that? Prayer first, then fasting. And your fasting might be giving up things that take time and waste time and money, and you're just praying instead. That's your fasting. I'm good with that. God's good with that. Praise be to God. But I want you to remember something. Hold on to this the rest of your life, okay? I want you to remember that all prayer is in the Lord's Prayer. Did you know that? That Jesus gave us, he gave his disciples the perfect example of prayer. When you can think of nothing else to pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. It's beautiful and it covers all the bases. Not that we're trying to cover bases. This isn't baseball, by the way. But the Lord's Prayer begins with relationship. And that's what prayer is, is coming into the presence of a most holy God and developing that relationship. God's not far off in some galaxy. God is right here, right there. And you can connect with him in prayer. You can worship him in prayer. How do you do that? It's easy. You can start singing or not. You can start listening to music or not. You can just start praising God out loud. I worship you. I praise you. I thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness and your presence and your provision and everything, Lord, for my family, for the church, for what you're doing, for the world that you inhabit, Lord. You can just start praising him. And it leads into worship. 
praise and worship. It starts with praise and continues into worship. You can do that. When Jesus prayed on that day he was baptized, the heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. Would you like for that to happen today? Are you ready? I'm going to get something to make you ready. You have no idea what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut this light on. It's going to ruin the the camera. But that's okay. I'm back here. You have no idea what I'm doing back here. That's okay. There are Dunkin' Donuts holes back here. Just so you know. Nobody knows what I'm getting ready to do, but I'm doing it. It's not conventional. We don't do things conventional here at this church. Matter of fact... You want to remember your baptism today? Do you want the heavens to open up right now? The heaven to open up right now? Do you want to be reminded that God has placed his claim on you and that he's saying to you, you are my son, you are my daughter, in you I am well pleased. You're mine and I'm yours. Are you ready for that today? Well, guess what? Whether you're ready or not, you're going to receive it. You're going to receive it. It's coming. Your sheet's going to get wet. Your purse is going to get wet. Your insert's going to get wet. Does that matter? No, it doesn't matter. Because I want you to remember your baptism and be thankful today. And I'm starting with this man. I'm not going to soak his equipment, but I'm doing it. Doug Allen, remember your baptism and give thanks. Did you see that water drop on his head? Those are the waters that the Israelite people wept, wept in. They wept along the rivers of Babylon. The rivers of Babylon, where do they lead into? The Jordan River, folks. The tears of God's people were in that river. So it's not just that Jesus was baptized in that river. People's stains have been washed away in that river. People's pain has been washed away in that river. Their tears have been absorbed by that river. And today, your tears are going to be wiped away. Today, you're going to be set set free. So remember your baptism and give thanks. Do you all feel it? You might have a leaf come drop on your head at some point because finding a branch with leaves on it right now is hard other than poison ivy. <laughs> Remember your baptism and give thanks. Remember your baptism. Kevin, you get some of this. Remember your baptism and give thanks. All of you, remember. Remember. Can you see it back there? Can you remember it? Yes, you can. Remember your baptism. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's raining down. His mercy, his presence, his provision. Not on the equipment. I'm staying away from the equipment, but here it is. Receive it. It might be a miss for you, but receive it. It's coming. I'm coming out there too. For those that are outside, remember your baptism and give thanks. Remember your baptism. He's claimed you. He's called you by name. Harlan, you're, you're clothed up today, man. You're not even going to feel that water. But his spirit's going to be with you, my friend. Coming out here. And you thought you could escape. Remember your baptism. Give thanks. Stanley, remember your baptism. Give thanks. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forevermore. Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message. For more sermons from Misty Creek Community Church, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. You can also watch videos of our sermons and complete services on the Misty Creek Community Church YouTube channel. And while you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. For more information about our church, including our mission, location, service times, and more, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. 
God bless you, and thank you for listening.